Today we're revisiting the Green New Deal which was championed by the Climate Action Group here at Queen's. We're going to be focusing on the points which relate to educational reform and to discuss this with me today will be the SU's Education Officer Jason Bunting and we will also have two students to provide their views on the matter, Emer Smith and Kayla McNally. Finally we're also going to be looking at some good news from the last couple of weeks. I hope you enjoyed the episode. So with me today, I've got Jason Bunting, who's the Student Education Officer. Hi, Jason. Thanks for coming on the episode and agreeing to chat with us. Um, just before we start off, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and kind of tell us a little bit about your role? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me, Flavia. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, so as you said, my name is Jason and I am the Education Officer. So I represent all students' academic interests. So anything that happens during uh, your time at university in terms of your education, um, I'm, help, I'm here to help make sure that your voice is heard um, and that your interests are protected, I suppose. Um, so that's like student voice, student representation, assessment feedback, loads of things. Um, but I'm really passionate about and um, how we can make our curriculum more sustainable as well. Brilliant. Um, so obviously one of the things that you've said is that your role is a lot about making sure that students' interests feel represented within the university. And obviously one of the things that we've seen, especially over the last two years, is an increase from younger generations on climate action and sort of tackling the challenges faced by climate change. So in specific, the Green New Deal that has been put forward has a section on education, educational reform, which I was really interested in. And I was hoping you might be able to talk us through that in a little bit more detail. Um, so I suppose to start with, why was it important to sort of include points that focus specifically on educational reform in the Green New Deal? Yeah, um, it's a great question um, because I think it sometimes gets missed out of the conversation. Um, and the reason I suppose I was in the Climate Action Group last year, but a lot of this work was led by Alan Fern um, and it's now led by Chloe Ferguson. Um, but for us, it was really important, I think, to have an educational section because um, that is, after all, like what we have agency over in a university. Um, and we know that it's something that students really feel passionately about and that students actually can influence it and have an impact in as well. Um, so we thought it was really important because, because we have that power um, and because the curriculum in a university is so central to everything else. Um, and as well, because, you know, the ways we learn and what we learn are deliberate choices and impact the generations that will obviously go to university, that are coming to the university and, and um, it influences the way knowledge is presented in our society as well. Um, so when we're having a conversation about um, the Green New Deal or sustainability or the future challenges that we have as a planet, like that is something that we need to keep, you know, really at the forefront of our mind that education goes to everything else as well. Yeah, no, definitely, because that's one of the things that I've sort of been thinking a lot about, especially in terms of the Green New Deal and the parts on education is that university is obviously there to prepare people for the workforce, but it's also there to prepare you for the challenges of the future. And if we're continuously sort of spreading old ideas that have been proven to not necessarily work as well, then it's questionable how well prepared we are going to be to kind of go into, you know, workplace and, and beyond that. 
Um, so one of the points on the Green New Deal was specifically that the changes to the education system be shaped through the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm sure your listeners will know, but the UN Sustainable Development Goals are a set of um, 17 goals and I think 160 something targets um, that are designed to kind of point um, in a more just, more fair, more sustainable future. Um, and obviously there's a few of them that specifically relate um, to areas that we can do something about, right? So um, equality education is one of the goals. Um, so it's all about making sure um, that the education experience you have at Queen's, um, you know, is is of um, excellent quality and all the rest. Um, and but I suppose what we want to say is these goals um, need to be kind of um, really embedded in our curricula, so that whenever a student comes to Queen's, they learn about the goals, they can map their experience of university onto the goals, um, and that like you hit the nail on the head there, that we're producing future ready graduates who can you know really tackle the global issues um, so there's absolutely loads of kind of different areas of the goals that we can tackle um, but for instance like one of them is um, quality education one of the ways we think we should do that is through um, things like decolonizing the university um, and although that's framed in a variety of different lenses it's also framed through um, the fact that how we teach certain subjects um, isn't necessarily and going to prepare students to deal with the world that they'll enter into when they graduate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another point of the Green New Deal, which I suppose kind of links into this, is um, the possibility of introducing new pathways that offer, like offering sustainability as a minor or more focused degree programmes, like focusing on the green economy, for example. Um, is that something that there's been demand for among students, as well as obviously the university presenting a stance that's for climate action? Is there a demand for those kind of actual specific degrees? Yeah, I think so, because um, obviously it was included in the Green New Deal and the Green New Deal got 93% support in their referendum. Um, and we constantly hear about it from um, very engaged students. Like one of the things you'll find about students nowadays, I think, is they're really clued into the social challenges and they really want to be active citizens. And um, so I think there's a real passion for students to to tackle these things. But I think too often in the past, it's been kind of constrained to if you did a certain pathway or if you were a humanity subject maybe you got to um, tackle some social challenges or sustainability through your degree um, and what sustainability would do as a minor um, and we call it like a thematic minor um, is basically enable doesn't matter what you come to university to study you can still take on this and um, and still prove that to you know society in the future that you're equipped to deal with and the challenges that are that are facing us. So I think it's a fantastic thing. And it's something that I know the university is is very interested in as well. So we can make great progress on that. Definitely. And I suppose this kind of leads on to my next point is that I suppose at the moment, certain schools are more likely to kind of tackle sustainability and climate cha challenges like I suppose engineering and if you're in the sciences you're more likely to encounter those kinds of issues but obviously there are other schools and other subjects that are taught that have a huge impact on sort of the climate crisis and that could be taught differently I mean economics is one that comes to mind political theory is another one um, and that's another point in your Green New Deal isn't it that certain schools need to rethink how they're teaching sort of certain topics is that 
is that something that there's willingness within the schools to kind of amend the curricula slightly so that, you know, maybe not completely rewriting it, but offering balanced perspectives so that there's a counter perspective to the sort of traditional um, theories that are being taught? Yeah, I think, um, I think on your first point, like there is, um, there is a real need for it because we're talking about, um, again, it goes back to that idea of preparing students for the economy. And if you're taught neoliberal economics in, if you do, you know, a, a subject in the school of management, you're not being prepared for the green economy or the transition to a green economy. And in reality, that's what you're going to have to deal with both in the marketplace and in society and political theory and any of those subjects are really, really key. Um, and I do think there is a willingness um, on the part of staff to, um, to be open to the ideas. There's certain fantastic practice going on in, in other subjects, um, but it goes back to a really fundamental point about education, which is um, we think that students should be partners in education so that they should be able to shape the curricula um, that they study. And, you know, ideas like this and, and passion like this that comes from students will only translate into changes in their curricula when they can actually make those changes and when they can voice their concerns to staff and when they can um, not just give feedback and then have it responded to and then move on, but when they are working with staff to tackle a specific issue like this. So I think I think staff um, are definitely open to it, but I think we still need to do more work to kind of get it across to staff about how important it is um, and support staff as well, right? Because they're they're dealing with a lot right now, um, and we don't want this to be seen as just another thing that they have to do, or just another tick box that they have to tick. Um, like we want this to be seen as something that is really important to the future of their of their curricula. So when it comes to, for example, the quality assurance, this is where I get all nerdy about education. But when it comes to the quality assurance processes and how students actually engage with periodic reviews of their curricula, when um, when it comes to how students engage with, uh, you know, module reviews and things like that, we need students to be actively engaging in those and bringing up these issues um, and recognising their own agency and voice in education, um, because sometimes it is there and we just need to activate it. Um, and I think that's a big part of what the Climate Action Group has been trying to do as well. No, that all sounds really positive and really good. And it's good to see that there is willingness and that at least things are moving in the right direction, um, dare I say. Um, as well as sort of focusing on formal education, there are some elements of the Green New Deal on the education side that sort of focus on the extracurriculars, if you like, or the sort of outside lecture halls um, elements of it, like degree extra um, degree plus pathways and all of that. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that for those students out there that sort of might want to get involved or would be interested in that? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, there's there's kind of two different pathways. You know, we want to make sure that it's embedded within your curriculum, but we also want to make sure that if you're doing really good stuff or if you're um, if you want to take part in, for example, a module um, that is optional to everyone, but that can kind of get you more educated about things like the SDGs and climate action that you have that opportunity to. Um, but we're also really conscious that, you know, we need to reward students and recognize them when they do things like that. Um, so some of it is, you know, in terms of like having that module recognized by the degree plus and, and we could do that pretty easily, to be honest. Um, but part of it is as well, like thinking about, you know, the larger incentivization piece, like how do students kind of get rewarded for engaging in their in their curricula and like having those discussions? Because right now a lot of it relies on the kind of labor of students to 
kind of be bringing these things forward and be lobbying and and you know if anyone knows about the history of um kind of the the movement for lack of a better word at queens the, like it took you know an occupation to get queens to agree to <laughs> divest them from fossil fuels so um you know we need it we need a culture in the place which says that you know we are actively involved in students we're engaging them and when they do they're rewarded for that time because right now they're just doing it because they occur which is so fantastic but you know it shouldn't be just up to like you shouldn't be required to invest that without getting something back as well if that makes sense yeah no definitely it's great that students have that additional incentive there for you know and, and a lot of them are so involved outside of sort of lectures and, and they do so much that it's great to know that they've got another option something that they can add to their cv to kind of show their commitment and the work that they've put in um, I suppose my last kind of questions, obviously surrounding COVID, because how could I not mention COVID? Um, generally, COVID has shown that, you know, a lot of institutions, governments, universities can adapt very quickly to change when there is a need there. So obviously, it's shown that things like these can be done fairly quickly when there's a willingness. But having said that, it's also become such a big priority that a lot of other things, I guess, would have fallen on the back burner. Would you say that sort of the Green New Deal and a lot of those commitments like education and whatnot have had to kind of take a back seat because of the situation we all find ourselves in? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because um, I think that to a certain extent, the work of especially the officers and um, and the activity of students has been massively, massively impacted. So if this was a normal year, we could have spent so much more time thinking about all aspects of, um, you know, separate to COVID. Um, and like the existing team of student officers didn't even, most of them didn't know that, that COVID was going to be a thing until they were in the roles, like, because they were, you know, new. Um, but I think as well, students, you know, have had to cope with intense pressures in terms of financial, in terms of, their mental well-being, their impact of their assessments. So maybe they've had less time as well to kind of get involved in things like this. Um, having said that, I would make I would make two kind of points that might give hope, hopefully. Um, one of which is like Chloe has done amazing work um with the Green New Deal this year, um, just in terms of educating people, growing the climate action group, um, you know, getting actions off, off the ground. Um, and personally, like I've been in rooms with her and senior management, um, and she does not let them off the hook. Like she is, she is really fighting for this. Um, so that hopefully will give a bit of hope. And then the other point is exactly what you're saying around. I think we all need to reflect on the fact that a lot of the learnings and changes that were introduced um, as a consequence of COVID um, could have been introduced much sooner. And it was all a choice all along for us not to do things like assessment changes, lecture recording, um, you know, remote study for people, like being able to, you know, be much more flexible with the learning, um, you know, a lot of stuff online that could have, you know, in terms of feedback and all the rest, module evaluations, we have adapted so much. Um, and that's a point of praise upon ourselves, probably, but it's also a point of saying, look, we could have done this sooner for students. Um, and what I really hope as students do is don't forget that the things like the Green New Deal, if the, if we get the university to agree to this and make that different choice, um, then we can get this across the line. And, and I think COVID has shown that, you know, we can tra dramatically transform education in a matter of weeks and months, but students need to be active about it. They need to be engaged. They need to be getting into the climate action group, you know, being a course rep, being a school rep, being a student officer, 
Um, and if they do that kind of thing, then then change is possible. That sounds very cringy, but it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I honestly do think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think the pandemic has done a lot for showing that certain things that we take for granted are choices and that a choice is being made and that there is an option to make a different choice and there just needs to be the willingness there and the awareness that that can happen. So I think you're right. And I think that's one of the, the big things that COVID has given us, um, although it's obviously been horrible, horrible last year that we've had. Um, I suppose before I let you go, um, you've obviously mentioned that engagement from students and campaigning from students is super important. So do you want to let us know how they can get in touch with you if they've got any ideas and how else they can get involved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you want to get in touch with myself, um, you can just email su.education at qb.se.uk, um, including on all, all the educational related matters. If you want to get in touch with the Green New Deal or be a member of it, um, you can email Chloe at su.campaigns at qb.se.uk. Um, and then uh, the last thing I would just say is like, if you see opportunities come up to nominate yourself for anything, to get involved in, in the union, um, and you care about things like this, like please do get engaged because um, the more folks we have that understand the urgency of what we're facing and the changes that need to happen, um, the more the union will change, the more the university will change um, and you're part of a much, much bigger movement as well. So um, I would just encourage you to, to get stuck in really um, and we'll be behind them every step of the way, obviously. No, that's brilliant advice, Jason. Definitely for all our listeners out there who do want to get involved, please do. You know, every little helps and people with great enthusiasm are the ones that make things happen. So yes, uh, do get involved. Listen, Jason, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks so much. Having spoken to Jason Bunting about the Green New Deal and the sections that relate to a green educational reform, I have with me two students today to give their views on the Green New Deal and the importance of a green educational reform. So with me, I've got Emer Smith and Kaylon McNally. Um, guys, do you want to introduce yourselves briefly and tell us how you got involved with climate action and why climate activism matters to you guys? Yeah, sure. Um... So my name's Emer and I'm a second year English and politics student. Um, kind of throughout school, I would have got involved in projects, um, Fridays for Future, science projects, building things like, um, also we built a water charger for a phone, but like kind of just all the way through, I'd be kind of like, our world is the world we live in and our resources aren't really infinite, they are finite. And whether it's like global warming and protecting others through like sea levels rising and the likes of that, or even just like local kind of areas of biodiversity and stuff. Um, I do think it's really important to protect that for us and for future generations um, and those who can't really make that much of an impact. And even like economically down the line, if countries aren't kind of adapting or kind of attempting to mitigate before we get there, there is going to be huge economic impact for us and for that like governments as well, which will affect everyone who is on the planet right now. So I just think it's really important to do kind of every little bit we can, but also to get big organisations to do it as well, not just us. Yeah, absolutely. Kaylon, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how, why climate action matters to you? Yeah, so I'm Kaylon. I'm a second year PPE student. And honestly, climate action didn't matter to me up until maybe two years ago, um, until I started studying my degree of PPE. And I chose modules that were kind of tailored towards applied economics and started to see the actual implications 
of policy and how we can actually make reforms with regards to, to climate. I, I, had thought, I had long thought that as individuals, we're kind of powerless and I'd kind of, you know, scoffed at individuals taking action because I, I knew and I'd, I'd, read the, I'd read the stats that it was corporations that accounted for most of our carbon emissions. Um, but then, you know, the fact kind of dawned on you that we are the consumers that demand these fossil fuels. And actually, through collective action, we have a lot more power than we think that we do. Um, and then, so since then, I became involved in the EcoScoop, the Climate Action Group, um, involved with the Green Party at Queen's. Um, and yeah, it's kind of snowballed from there and I've got more and more interested since. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it is a really important issue, like you said. And yeah, I completely agree with you, Kaylon, that, you know, individual change, you know, makes a difference to a point, but there are bigger institutional changes that need to happen. Um, so for you guys, was the uni's position or is the uni's position on climate change important to you? And, and why is that? I would say it is quite important. Um, well, I think it should be important, like whatever university thinks, because universities as institutions do influence um, the people who go through it and the people who look to it as well. So if university isn't kind of putting like the environment and the climate crisis to the forefront then like the group of people who go through it who are like a big proportion of the future workforce um if that's not going to put to the forefront it's not going to be at the forefront of like stu current students minds and future workers minds either um and they'll go on to become leaders and stuff um and I do think it is really important just as we go through life it needs to be kind of if we're not getting education and we're not going to know and we're not going to care. So in that way, I do think it is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd <clears throat> oh, sorry, Flavia. No, it's fine. Go on ahead. Um, no, I'd, I'd very much mirror what Emer said there. I think um, as well, I think a university as an institution is the perfect place to start. I think there is kind of a collective action problem and kind of, a, you know, a prisoner's dilemma when it comes to, institutions being the ones to take the first leap nobody wants to financially disadvantage themselves but I think for a university their their core demographic um the student population are those for whom you know climate change is the biggest existential threat um it's because it, it's not our parents and grandparents who will have to be left to clean up this mess it's it's, it's people our age and younger um I think the the recent statistic that it's constantly fluctuating but it was uh, you know in two decades time the um the global temperature will have risen by 1.5 degrees which would be catastrophic so i think that'll be us in our 40s and 50s so i think a university is the perfect institution to kind of enact that domino effect and once a few institutions take that leap it's easier for others to kind of make that concession and move towards green fuels yeah definitely and it's also at this point i think a, a differentiator um as new generations are coming up and it's becoming more and more of a prominent issue um you know a university that takes a leading position in climate action i i think just sets universities apart as well um what do you guys think about the education reform points on the green new deal and the green new deal more specifically more generally rather Emo, do you want to start yeah no I do think it is really important as we like spoke about earlier like that is an institution and there are so many institutions um that kind of aren't putting it to the forefront and like as the school of architecture and or still built environment and architecture they've already declared a climate crisis um but to my knowledge like most of the universities haven't like collectively declared that and if that's not being reflected um, if the climate crisis isn't being reflected um, in their kind of what they declare, it's not going to be reflected in education. And so students' education isn't going to cover that. 
and there needs to be more kind of going what can we do in the future and what is being done because if we're not to know that when we come out we're not going to have like a kind of a where we think it should go or even how we should get there kind of there's no like set path um and of course like there's so many issues that there's no one set path but if we're not given any kind of like means to go down any path then um I don't know I just think there does have to be a big reform in education in that sense yeah Kaylon do you want to add anything to that uh yeah well I think by by virtue of its existence, I think the Green New Deal shows a student appetite for actual reform when it comes to climate change and environmentalism. Um, and so I think it's, 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 now, it's now the university's obligation to, to meet that demand. And in, in, in a way, you know, like students, students are, are consumers and um, say, what, say what we might about, you know, um, education not being something that's commodified. Um, we're, we're still currently consumers who, who choose our institutions. And so there's a growing student appetite now for, you know, um, environmentally friendly institutions and whatnot. And so I, I think I think Queens are going to have to have to meet some of these demands, um, if, if even not to kind of like this disillusion their student body. And I think even with the formation of the Climate Action Group, I think the Students' Union um, is, is doing so, but should continue uh, to put pressure on Queens um, to actually implement these reforms. I think there was a freedom of information request submitted. I'm not sure if that's went through yet, but it'll be interesting to see how much um, of these reforms Queens have actually taken on board and are putting in. Because obviously there's there's internal um, environmental kind of quotas that they have to meet that are set, you know, um, by actual government legislation. But I think, you know, the Green New Deal, a lot, a lot of these points supersede those, those bare minimum quotas that quite frankly don't seem to be enough. Um, so I, and as for the actual points of the Green New Deal, um, I, th I think they're, they're all very valid points. I think, you know, one, one criticism that it has received is that it might be overreaching. But I think, you know, it is one of the gravest existential threats to face our generation. I, I don't think there's such a thing as overreaching. I think that obviously the university's retort is that, you know, it's, it's not economically viable. But as, as I said, if, if they're willing to... If they're not willing to meet these demands, then there comes a point where where students as consumers will will take their their custom elsewhere to universities that are willing to meet these demands as an institution. Yeah, no, that's definitely something that I think um, universities in general, and not just Queens, are going to have to start considering in in the not so distant future. In terms specifically of the educational reform aspects of the Green New Deal, I mean, one of the suggestions they're having is introducing. Um, pathway options that focus specifically on sustainability and environmentalism um, with you guys studying politics if there were was like a pathway in green politics or even alternative economic models is that something that would appeal to you guys is that something you wish you had access to right now 100% like that would have been one of my reasons to choose politics over another subject was the fact you would get kind of a, a view into green politics and stuff. Currently, I haven't had much of an option really to do that. I find like most of my module choices haven't been anything to do with that. Like it hasn't been available. Um, there was one in first year. I did really enjoy it. Um, Professor John Barry and Amanda Slavin. Um, but apart from that, there hasn't really been a big kind of choice for that which is like a real shame as well because as um Keelan said earlier students are consumers um the university has become a bit of a business and I think in future I think a lot of students will be when they're kind of choosing universities will be looking at green credentials of universities to see will they be offering me this is that what the university stands for because it 
like it is a crisis and it is becoming more and more apparent um and I think it is nice to have that choice to be able to choose that um and I think a lot of people in the future will be choosing that themselves yeah no definitely Kaylon as as a PPE student obviously in terms of economics do, do you find that in terms of the content of your course are you offered sort of any alternative views to the usual growth driven economic model that we kind of and capitalism basically that's so predominant nowadays um surprisingly actually yes but in very in very very small amounts um for one of my modules applied economics talking more kind of alternative view of things but even even when you look at kind of when it comes down to like kind of um pollution and environmentalism in economics they're still very much focused on market driven solutions um very much kind of like a coast theorem and whatnot and kind of like privatizing the environment um but i i, I think there is there is definitely an appetite for more alternative solutions and even even as an academic exploration even if they aren't viable solutions i think it's kind of owed to us as as students to be able to explore these ideas fully um and i i think as well even outside the moral obligation to offer these pathways i think there's a financial incentive as well for prospective students because the job market is changing and in five to ten years a lot of the more lucrative jobs will be environmentally driven because as as it becomes more and more poignant an issue i think you know government legislation is going to have to adapt to hold businesses accountable and as such you know businesses are going to need environmental consultants you know in in, in house environmentalists and i think there's there is an environmental management degree at queens and there are a few environmental degrees but i think in embedding um, more environmentally driven modules into otherwise existing pathways is definitely necessary to equip the current kind of like graduates with the skill set to kind of adapt to this changing job market. So I think there is a moral obligation, um, but as well as that, it's definitely there definitely is an incentive to pick these modules. Yeah, no, definitely, and an embedding sort of environmental environmentally friendly shall we say uh, modules and options within otherwise popular pathways is one of the points of the green new deal and it's something that i completely agree should definitely as a bare minimum be implemented so that you know when people are taking these degrees they're getting a balanced view um and being equipped with the tools to check challenge the status quo when they go out into employment and um, final question very quickly do you feel that sort of higher education and your degrees as they stand right now are preparing you for the challenges of climate change um I'll be honest not quite um English and politics like English obviously is kind of literature based or language based um there have been a few there is like um kind of looking studying at language how the media portrays the climate crisis or doesn't portray it which is a big problem um the media is such a strong kind of way to put forward what is important and what isn't. Um, so in that way, it is quite interesting as to how language and media choice can kind of put forward an idea and um, whether it's kind of government or not. Um, politics wise, um, I mean, my personally, because maybe it's because it's a joint degree pathway where it is double honours kind of, or yeah, joint honours, English and politics. Um, there isn't quite as wide the politics choice, but the modules I was kind of given to choose from this year weren't overly, there weren't any that was overly environment based. There was maybe a week in one of them last year, but apart from that, it wasn't very focused on environment, which was really disappointing for me, to be honest, because that's something I was really looking forward to when coming to university was the ability to choose. Like in the prospectus, there is like environment and stuff. And I would have thought I would get more choice, um, but there hasn't been quite as much as I would like, which is quite frankly disappointing. Um, I'll be prepared another ways but maybe not in that way. Uh, Kaylin anything you want to add? 
Uh, no, honestly, I, again, I, I think Emer's kind of covered all bases there. Um, even even in PPE, which is kind of like no, notorious for being a, a degree that you can kind of tailor yourself, particularly in second and third year, with regards to your optional modules. Um, we have a, a wide range of choice, but um, as I noted in the module further, the um, the choice of environmental modules is limited to a maximum of two, I believe. Um, there's one, as Emer touched upon, by John Barry, which is like environmental politics. Um, and then there's one, I believe, in like environmental economics. Um, but I, so I, I think we're being, a, there, there exists the capacity to choose them, but as well, they're very undersubscribed modules. And I think, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely an onus on integrating like environmental concepts into other modules. Um, because, you know, for example, my applied economics module um, focused very much on like health economics, um, democracy economics. Um, that module didn't really touch it. It touched upon collective action. And I was then able to kind of like tailor my essay to environmentalism. But it's it's at the minute, it's very much up to the student to try and seek out these opportunities, whereas these opportunities, I believe, should be should be there at the forefront. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what you guys have said definitely echoes my experience in that I've had to kind of seek out ways within modules to kind of build in any environmental interests that I have, rather than sort of the ways in which I could do that being obvious and apparent. It's kind of been an exercise in trying to link it back to my interests. So definitely agree with everything you guys have said. Listen, thank you very much for coming on the show and for sharing your views on the Green New Deal. Um, it was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having us. No worries. Um, and coming up next, we've got our usual weekly. We've got our usual weekly segment, which focuses on climate positive news. Um, and Nemo is going to lead the way on that. So, what's happened that's positive in the world of climate action this week? Um, well, there have been a few things, Flavia. Um, one of the things that um, kind of stood out for me this week was. Um, this um, EU award of um, European Green Capital, which was awarded to um, a city in Finland, Lahiti, I think it's called. Um, so it's kind of a city, like the idea of the kind of award is to, um, is for cities within Europe who are kind of paving like a green pathway kind of and ensuring cities are becoming more green. Um, I thought it was very interesting um, as there are quite a few green cities throughout Europe and even um, we've had earlier on the show um, Dairy City Council um, making theirs a circular economy. Um, I thought that was quite interesting just um, in terms of like what we could like take from that whether um, cities themselves could be a very good way to lead um, environmentally with kind of as we saw last week no carbon bosses. Um, I think there's like a lot to be got from that. No, definitely. I also think that, you know, the fact that I didn't know this, but the fact that there is an EU Green City of the Year award, I think is a brilliant thing. It acts as an incentive and recognition for those cities or constituencies that are sort of, like you said, paving the way and taking ownership and kind of, you know, implementing different alternative models um, to kind of reduce their carbon footprint. And like you said, Derry City is an example of adopting a circular economy and a zero waste model, which hopefully will be adopted by other cities in the future. And hopefully that is one way to slowly have, you know, regional and local communities make the right steps towards um, more sustainable models. Um, there was another bit of news that we were talking about earlier, which was a bit closer to home. Um, so for the UK, electricity from renewable sources outpaced uh, gas and coal, coal power for the whole of 2020 for the first time ever. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, of course. Um, so I think the figures were um, 42% of energy in the UK came from renewables as opposed to 41% from fossil fuels. Um, that's obviously a giant step in the right direction, um, especially with all the EU goals um, of carbon neutral by 2050 um, and 2030. It's a big kind of a big step in the right direction and just shows if you do put the work in, you obviously do get results. Um, and as we do kind of we're as the world tries to move away from fossil fuels and its dependency on them, um, with 42% coming from renewables, um, that's kind of cutting out a big chunk that would have before come from fossil fuels. So if we can do that in the past few years, um, it is possible to kind of go forward to 2030 and 2050 with this, even though um, I know it kind of will be a financial burden as people think, but the burden that will come after that would be even more. Um, so I think it's really encouraging that it has happened and um, kind of looking forward to seeing that more in the future as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And it, it also reflects the benefits of sort of investing in greener energies. I read that um, of that 42%, a quarter of it was wind energy, which reflects recent investment in new wind turbine farms. So, I mean, not necessarily a tangible reward, but it's definitely very rewarding to see sort of investment in green energies paying back and us being able to kind of say, you know, we are making steps towards reducing our reliance on um, fossil fuels. Definitely. And I do almost think in a way it's tangible as well, because it is a result that we can actually see. And um, a lot of people have a big disbelief in kind of whether it is enough and maybe it might not fully be enough, but it certainly is showing that investing can be a good way to go forward and we should definitely do more of it um so yeah i think that's very yeah, good no, definitely like you said it challenges those preconceptions that you can't rely on the sun to warm your house all year round and you know now you've got evidence that kind of says yes you might not be able to rely on the sun but you can supplement that with other renewable energy so no definitely i think you're absolutely right on that definitely yeah um seasonal you have wind sometimes you have some other times so i definitely think it's a very encouraging yeah cool right so that's all we've got time for this week um thank you to all our guests this week thank you to Steph Roberts who edits our show and puts it out there for you guys to listen and thank you to all our listeners we'll speak to you again next week mm-hmm.